0: And something that's been pondering around in my head lately is, especially when people say, charge your worth. My mama used to have a saying, don't start now, won't be none."
1: So welcome everyone. And today I have with me Phyllis, and also known as Get Your Country Brand Mother. So welcome Phyllis to our podcast. And why don't you introduce ourselves to our listeners and our audience?
0: Oh my gosh, the short version. I'm Phyllis Williams-Strader, known as the Ghetto Country Brandmother. I am a brand strategist, former barbecue restaurant owner. Um, I got a husband, a dog, and a daughter. <laughs> yep. There you go. That's the short version.
1: Interesting. Uh no. I'm I'm actually really curious about this part, like your journey from moving to owning a restaurant to being a brand strategist. <gasps> so can you my journey from
0: owning a restaurant yeah i tell folks all the time i do not cook on purpose um food is my husband's love language i've gained more than enough weight to prove that (laughs) because he does all the cooking he's actually getting ready to go grocery shopping now but um he started learning how to barbecue on the internet which is very strange as well as he cooks but he started learning how to barbecue on the internet and it just became this thing where he was spinning up my shoe money to do competitions and whatnot. So we started selling lunches from our dining room table, which turned into farmers markets, which turned into two restaurants. Um, and all the while, like I say, I support my husband fully, but I don't cook on purpose. I really don't. I, I have to be extremely hungry, and it has to be really cold or something outside for me not to go get me something to eat. <laughs> But uh, we were in the restaurant. We've been working together for about ten years. We brought our daughter into the business, and because I was finding ways to grow our business, I was so spreading my wings, so to speak. I was doing a lot of networking. I was taking a lot of classes. I started doing public speaking, and it was just okay. I like what I'm doing. I don't necessarily like taking it back to a restaurant atmosphere. So if 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 I quit and and. Fired myself multiple times (laughs) until one day I just finally meant it. I told my husband, I think I'm really done this time. And him being the supportive person that he is, he said, okay, baby, I got this. But me and my husband worked well together. And I didn't know how long it was going to last for him. I just knew it wasn't going to last because my husband does not play well with employees. And we had (laughs) too many of them for him to handle on his own because I was usually the go-between tell your husband, baby, go get them. And yeah, I was the go between, um, in our restaurant. So I told him because I had started speaking and because that's when I first got into business coaching, I said, I think I want to start being able to travel with this. And this was pre pandemic. Um, but I want to start traveling with this. And I, t- I said, so what you going to do? And I know my husband ain't going to let me leave him nowhere. He said, baby, I'm gonna roll with you. So, <laughs> Um, we made that decision in June, put our house in the market, sold our house as is in August. We moved to Oregon and that's where things started to happen for me. Um, It was me taking all these different certifications because I actually wanted to become a master business coach. And there were 10 certifications I had to take, but branding was the one where I stopped because I just fell in love with the concept. And I just recently discovered for myself, branding is what helped me find my voice. And I want to bring that to so many solopreneurs because it's not on the scale of what I've learned, but it's on the scale of what I can handle. And I think when people are out here trying to be solopreneurs, people are putting way too much on them than they are ready to handle. It's not saying that they can't, but it, it requires you to put so much of your rest of your life on hold to do those things. Because even when when it goes back to the restaurant, um, my daughter, like I said, my daughter started in our business when she was four years old. Actually, she started in at two because we started at farmer's markets. So she was going with us to the farmer's markets. And so that's how we parented. We parented while we worked. And then, like I say, starting in fourth grade, she was homeschooled. So we parented homeschool and did all of that while we worked and she had to bring her books to the restaurant. Um, if I went to on a speaking thing, she went with, with me on the speaking gigs and all of those type of things. So we parented that whole time, but it wasn't the type of parenting that, um, you know what, let's sit down on the floor and play some games and let's do this. I'm not, I'm not really that parent all the time. Anyway, I always tell, her, I wish you had aunties cause I'm not doing this. <laughs> but I was not, I was never that parent. I was that encouraging parent. I was that transparent parent, but I was never that my mom, I was not Susie homemaker. I was not a domestic goddess. And so the, when I, when I decided to do my own thing and be that solopreneur to stop all of this stuff with the employees and all of that, I was already a workaholic. I got more of a workaholic, but I got a, I became a workaholic doing busy shit. And that I was not progressing in my business because I was afraid to speak up for myself. When we had our restaurants, it was easy to push Neil in front of the TV and, oh, you go do the show and he got the commercial and it was easier because I was behind the scenes, even though I was kind of resentful behind the scenes because everything that happened in our restaurant, they gave him credit for. You guys said nothing about me the me being the one getting doing the contracts, me the one pitching him out here to do this thing, me saying, baby, come on, let's do this audition so you can get on this show, and all of these other things. So I was a bit resentful being behind the scenes, but then when it was my turn to be out there, it's like, I can't do this shit. I don't I don't feel comfortable enough with myself. And to look at yourself on camera, it's like, oh, look, you got a zit. Oh, you forgot to comb your hair and put that hair there. There's all these different things you pick at yourself when, well, I do, when you're looking at yourself and trying to do something. So I had to rely so much on giving away free in hopes that people would send me paying clients. And it just, it was just some funky, funky, it was just some funkiness. I don't know how else to put it. But my business suffered for a long time until, like I said, until I got to that piece of my certification um, for, for branding. But even that was not enough for me. And I started going all in on branding. And I know how hard it was for us to build our brand. We built a great brand. Big Mista is still getting hits on on Google and all that kind of stuff. I get the emails. Oh, you have 4,000 4, some views. We've been closed since 2018. And we still get thousands of hits for people looking for us. So I know how to build a brand, but I didn't know how to be out front and build a brand. And I'm like, nobody's going to want to see me. Everybody wants to see big Mr. Because he's the one with the food. Mm-hmm. So like I said, finding, finding branding. Um, it was the catalyst, like I say, for me, finding my voice. But I did not want to be stuck back in like I was before. When when we had the restaurant, I was known as Mrs. Mister. I was his sidekick and all of that kind of stuff. And people infringed on that a lot. They infringed on, on thinking that, oh, because I'm so friendly in my restaurant and I got all my babies and, oh, here come my sweetheart and make sure they get their food and where my kids at and they were used to that. And so there was no clear boundary of where Phyllis started and Mrs. Mister ended because I let everybody have that. I gave them almost as much as I gave anyone else in my family, because I do consider people like me to be my fam. So when I started understanding branding on that level, I decided that when I did take on another persona that wasn't fully Phyllis, I wanted to make sure that it had boundaries around it. And so now I know if you come at me as Phyllis, You've met me somewhere where there was some type of like just even an instantaneous level of personal relationship. But if you come at me as ghetto country grandmother, sweetie, I know you only know me as ghetto country grandmother. You don't know the the I want to be a lone side. I am a serious loner. It's amazing that I'm married with a child because I am that loner <laughs> and I'm very independent because I was raised that way. So when people approach me, they like, oh, Phyllis, she's so friendly. I am sweetheart, but I am very as transparent as I am. I'm very private. I, I keep to myself a lot because crowds just make me uncomfortable. And a lot of people don't recognize that because I promise you, I am six one and I will still put on three inch heels. <laughs> so it's not like I'm afraid to be seen, but I'm uncomfortable being seen. There's a difference. And I will, I will step out there with the same energy as if like if we were sitting here talking sweetie I will have the same energy when we're together. But if once I'm done with this call, my husband and my child, mommy, are we going to do something that uh, baby where are we going or something like that? But then other times it's me in my own space. And us having a big ass house in Cali is a whole lot different than the 3 bedroom we have here in Texas. And and it's it's just that journey has been so freeing for me. And then on top of that, like the, the, the way we met through the future and all of that kind of stuff that just further solidified that my voice was valid because uh, someone just asked me the other day, it's like, why, where did ghetto country come from? Or why do I use it? And I use it because it reminds me that this is where I'm comfortable. And this is where I can best serve. When I start trying to watch everything I say and trying to pronounce words correctly all the fucking time and do all of these things. It's like, I'm so busy thinking about that, that I'm not listening to you because I'm I'm afraid that I'm going to say the wrong thing. Sweetie. I already know I'm going to say the wrong thing all the daggone time. Just let it go. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's been a thing for me and it became more of a thing for me during the pandemic because having owned a restaurant And then watching the devastations of restaurants closing. And it's like, baby, y'all got to get a brand. And I'm not saying a brand is a cure-all for businesses, but a lot of businesses, especially in the restaurant industry, they start with concepts. They never build a brand. And then what I've I've gotten out of all of this whole journey of learning, branding is a people pleasing type of thing. I don't want to people please. I'm too fucking old to people please. I don't give a rat's ass. And so, and I don't mean that in a way that once I'm working with someone, I don't, I don't value them, but to put myself in the box of people pleasing is Mm -hmm. what I don't want to do. And And I think a lot of people get in their businesses and they start their businesses in the hopes of making a difference and having an impact. But because when you start to try and brand and market, you, you do it around the client instead of doing it around yourself then there becomes this, this, you put yourself in that box. And then if you're, if you're really new, you start adding all these things, all these services, all these offers, because you don't want to miss anything. Yeah, And you're trying yeah. to be everything and nothing at the same time. And so there's this contradiction in this fight of how do I show up? How do I do this thing? Okay. I got to be like this for you. And I got to be like this for you. And it's it's a dichotomy of crazy that. It just did not sit well. It did not sit well with me. And with all the people that I've learned from, I have mad respect for them. But I think at a solopreneur level, it kind of does a disservice of telling people how to brand because you're trying to tell them to to brand like a corporation. You're telling them to stick out an eighth of an inch when they have the personality for a whole fucking foot. And it's it's limiting and um, constricting. I'll put it that way
1: because you want to
0: take away what I call their brand individuality. Mm-hmm. There's something about you that will make your brand so amazing. And I don't believe, I don't, don't get it to it. I do not believe you are your brand. Whoever says that y'all can all kiss my ass and even the people that I respect, but I don't believe that. And this is having built a brand before. Um, But I do believe that everybody needs a personal brand in order to endorse their business brand. Stop getting out of the mode of pitching and learn to endorse. When you endorse something, you're endorsing shit that you love. You're endorsing things like, oh, you ought to go get this. And you can give them all the reasons why you can make it sound so fucking fantastic. But when you're pitching, you're nervous and you're trying to sell and trying to make sure you get in all the features and the benefits and the hit the pain points and the gains. And When you're endorsing something, oh, sweetie, let me tell you, I got all my apple shit. I got my iPhone, my iPad, my iMac. And people ask you why, and you can tell them why. Mm-hmm. Because there's a love relationship there. Yeah. Even though it's a corporation, even though it's an inanimate object, I love my my eye my, my stuff. So that went a long way around the question that you asked me I get from barbecue to branding. <laughs> that
1: was very interesting. And that's why I didn't interrupt it because I, I like i I'm much. sorry. <laughs> but i'm very curious about this part like what was the moment where you find out like uh, there should be this balance between the brand you put out there and what you really are i think because for the personal brands it gets very blurry like the boundary how much should i share and what should i keep to myself so how did you find that balance
0: um i don't i don't necessarily believe in balance um, because I'm that asshole that's kind of anal about everything being even Steven and all that kind of stuff. So I don't, I try not to use the word balance, but there is a certain place where you get to decide what is right for your business. If it's not something my mama used to have a saying, don't start now, won't be none." So if you don't want that later on in your brand, don't start it now. If you're not going to be dancing in front of the camera 10 years from now, why are you dancing now? If you're not going to share your breakfast with me 10 years from now, why are you starting it now? Well, I just need to get exposure. I need to get seen. But why are you showing me this? So show me something of value from your business. If there's a certain part of your life that relates to this, then sweetie, then that, that probably needs to be part of your story, especially when you started, when you start speaking or when you're sharing something of why this is a thing, especially for coach, like people who coach. Pretty, there's a story in there somewhere of why you got to this point of coaching, not why you coaching coaches. I ain't talking about that bullshit. I'm talking about some place that you went through a journey of getting to something. There's a story in there. We were I was on a call. I was on a pro call um, and it was a smaller group. I think it was about 15 of us on the call and I shared a very intimate story. And someone asked me, would I ever tell the story in, on a larger stage? Only if it was relevant. If it's not relevant, you guys are here. We're talking about something. And I think this story fits this particular situation. Do I go out and blurt all of this out? No. But then also anything you want to know. I wrote a book about it a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I know my shady. I wrote about it. So you can, the reason that, that, like I say, also branding freed me is because I went out and I told all my shit before you got a chance to tell it. Mm -hmm. If there's anything that you think that you can use against me to make me look bad, Sweetie, i have already told all my dirty secrets, all of them in a book on the shelf at Amazon. And so it's, it's never anything where you can say, Oh, she ghetto. Yes. I claim it. Whereas before I thought that was a, a limiting thing for me. I now embrace it. I was raised hood adjacent by a country mama. Yes, I was my mama and from Texas. I was born and raised in LA. So there's, there's, something about your culture that you get to bring to your brand that a lot of people dismiss because they want to have a larger audience.
1: Yeah,
0: I, there's a, um, there was a restaurant when we were living in Oregon, there was a restaurant that we used to go to that, um, that it was, it was called Pomodori's. We went there cause they had a great whiskey and bourbon selection. They owed the wall. Ooh, it was great. But the food was very bland and no slam to them because the people that run it and own it, they are so nice. They are so sweet. They were really good to us, but their food is so bland. And Neil asked them why. um, And they told him, it's like, because the people that come here, they don't want certain things in their food. So we can't up the flavor profile. And that was the majority of the business they cater to. And see, that's what puts you in a box. Yeah. If you had served your food the way that you intended it, then you would have found the people that were willing to eat it the way that it's supposed to be prepared. It's just like, I don't like going to culturally relevant restaurants and you've spiced down your food because everybody's palate can't handle it. No, sweetie, if I'm in your restaurant, this is like me coming to your house. I'm going to tell you how to cook your shit. I expected to eat it the way that you eat it. If I don't like it, I don't like it. So it's, it's, it's more than a notion when you, when you start putting yourself out there and you start representing in a certain way, the way you represent in the beginning, it, first impressions, everybody knows that first impressions. So when you finally do change, then not I look like, what's wrong with you? You didn't used to act like that. I know I've matured. I've grown. Get over it. Interesting. Um,
1: yeah. It's very strange when you're talking about uh, people dancing on in front of camera so in t- today's uh, attention dabbing economy how, mm-hmm. how do you think a person or a personal brand can be authentic version of themselves
0: how can a personal brand be authentic um that's kind of hard and like you said in in this look at me um that dy- and dynamic of social media yeah um and something that's been pondering around in my head lately is especially when people say charge your worth, instead of saying charge for the work, they charge for their worth. And what occurred to me is that a lot of people want to be valued. And they, especially when you're in a business, it's like, I'm putting my blood, sweat and tears in it. And now I'm talking about pe- people that have a passion for what they do, not people that are just trying to make money. But when you do that, it's like, okay, this is valuable to me. So I expect it to be equally as valuable to you. And because I've tied myself to it, when you're rejecting this, when you're telling me, no, you don't want what I have, you're rejecting me. People want to be valued on a level that, you know what, somebody never, it's it's not even that you grew up in a bad household or whatever. We're not even going to say that. But when you feel like you've been unseen all your life, And then you come out here and you start a business and people still don't see you. It starts to wear on you. And like I said, you start to tie your value to it and think that, you know what? Nobody will ever pay me what I'm worth. Sweetie, that's because you're priceless. They can't afford you. They can't afford what you offer. You're just offering it to the wrong people. And it is one of the things that, excuse me. One of the things when I was speaking at high schools and so forth, a lot of the high schools that I spoke at, um, there was very few black children in the room. And so I would capture pictures and all that stuff. And people would blame me. Why you don't do this for black kids? Why you don't do this for black kids? Sweetie, this is a volunteer program and black kids could have showed up if they wanted to. But then also the schools that, that asked me to come were not in black neighborhoods. so you saying, why am I not doing this for black kids is because these are the schools that said yes to me. And I said yes to them. And these are the kids that decided on their own volition to show up to something that was not required. And so there's, there's this weight that's put on of you're not representing who you're supposed to represent, or you're not showing up for who you're supposed to show up for. And so again, we lose value in their eyes. And so we think we, now we got to go out and we got to fix ourselves because I want to make sure that I represent and I show up and I got to be what you want me to be. And I got to please you so that you'll pay me some money. I don't believe that anymore. So it, it, it breaks my heart a lot of times of how people show up for themselves in order to make their business work instead of Figuring, well, sometimes it's just hard to figure out. I'm not even going to say figuring out, but learning how to properly run a business, learning how to properly market your business instead of relying on tips, tricks, and hacks, go and learn what what you really need to do. And then sometimes you might have to accept, I'm not meant to be an entrepreneur. And that's no slam and no shade, but not everybody was meant to rock this game. Because the first thing, unless you come from money that you got to learn, sweetie, it's going to be scary being broke (laughs) because while you're building, even if you're living off your savings, your savings is depleting while you're building your business. You're trying to get clients and no money's coming in yet. And so there's that fear there. And once you can conquer that fear, once you get around that fear, then it's like, oh, fuck hell, I didn't eat today or not today, but I only had ramen today, put it that way, but I still got to eat and I got to do what I love. I got to charge for some shit that I love. And it's, once you, you can own that piece of it, somebody was willing to pay you, then you find somebody else that's willing to pay you, but you have to do it on a level that's comfortable for you. If you want to go out there and dance and point and all the shit, because they keep telling you people's attention span span is short, then you continue to do that. If they tell you, oh, you got to do video because people don't read, tell that to all the people who are reading the books, reading the newspapers, reading whatever, the blog post. You got to find what works for you And, and, and take it for what it is. It is not rejection of you. It is like, I don't need this right now. No, this is not something that I can use. You find a way to market it. If if you know it is, then you have to find a way to market it. You don't necessarily have to change what you do. It's just how you wrap it up in marketing and how you package it. Does that make sense? Definitely.
1: And can I make the assumption that uh, new businesses or young solopreneurs would not figure this out at the get-go? like it needs some time, it needs some repetition and you will mature as you like grow your brand
0: yes yes and that that is something i think that is not being talked about that you actually have to mature into this thing because i even now books that i wrote when um when i first started when i separated from the from the restaurants books I wrote early on for my clients. I look at them now and I'm like, oh shit, I don't even believe this anymore. And so I took the books off. I don't have, they're not a representation of me anymore. And you have to understand that, especially when you're a solopreneur and you're finding things out, sweetie, where you are now will not be where you are a year from now. If you learn what it is that you want in your brand, just like it takes you so so many years to be self-aware of who you are, Sweetie, the same process goes for your brand. It doesn't have to be what they say it is. I don't give a fuck what Jeff Bezos said, but it gets to be what you say it is. And if you, if they're saying what they're saying, when you're not in the room is not what you want to represent you, then you get to correct that thing because you know what it is that you're trying to grow. You know who it is you're trying to represent. You know who it is that you're trying to sell a thing to. But if you don't know those things, then that's another growing pain. Well, I don't know who my audience is. Well, let's start with who you don't want. Are we are we, are we we doing this on sex, gender, age, whatever? Let's take all of those people out that you don't want first. Because even if we got a million people, we can eliminate half of them based on age, gender, um, nationality, the fact that they don't speak English and I speak bad English. You have all of those things that you can say no to first. At least get that far. And then saying, I'm talking, so you can say, I'm talking to my millennials. I'm talking to my Gen Z's. I'm talking to my Gen Xers. And okay. What are you talking to? Is there somebody particular in that Gen X? Well, I'm talking about the Gen Z's that are still living at home with their parents that are trying to do a thing. Okay. Is there something else? I'm talking about the Gen Z's that still live at home with their parents that are, that are still in school. You can, you can, you can find those things. You just got to dig a little deeper. And you have to understand why why are you talking to them? Why should they listen to you? And you have to speak their language. It surprises me. I I I'm not embarrassed by my age. I'm 57 years old. And most of the people that follow me are young, like 10 or 20 younger. Some dudes say, Oh, you remind me of my grandma. I'm like, fuck, I'm not old. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes I forget I'm actually old enough to be a grandmother because my daughter's only 15. I didn't have her until my until I was 42. Late blooming mama. But even though that kind of stabs me in the heart, I still understand what he was coming from. Because I remember my grandmother as well. And I know how much she used to get, get, uh-uh, we're not doing this today. Get your ass up. I'm not playing with you. So that's part of of what comes to the forefront, but then also understanding that because I nurture on that level. And a lot of people, like you said, I think they need that nurturing. They don't need to be sold to. They don't need to be made of six figure promise. Sweetie, nurture me and my stuff. Stop handing people fishes and teach them how to fish, teach them how to fend for themselves. It's just like all of these big companies laying people off right now. Babies, there's so many of you guys that can start a business and and probably make more than you ever did on your job and make, make your, there's possibilities there. But like I said, unless you understand how to rock this game, unless you're in it for the long haul, yes, it's some scary shit because now you are responsible for everything. You're responsible for your income. You're responsible for your livelihood. You're responsible for the clients that you make a promise to. There's a lot of responsibility in owning a business. And if you can't take that responsibility seriously, or if it gives you anxiety, then yes, you should probably have a job. If it gets too hard and every time it gets too hard, you run back and forth between a part-time job and your business. Okay. Unless you're having that part-time job to fund your business, then sweetie, it's okay to go get a job. Don't let anybody who ever has a business make you feel bad for going to get a job. And don't ever feel bad because your paycheck is this, but their income is that make you feel bad either. Their choices. So it's, it's, it's understanding that you, you have time to mature, but you have to mature on your level at your speed and all of those things, especially if you're young in the game. The reason a lot of, I think the reason older entrepreneurs or solopreneurs can do a thing is just because of like lived experience. So it's not it's not just that that they have the wherewithal of what they're stepping into, but they have the lived experience to know how to go and get things. And especially when you start to, you're talking about certain generations, I there's a um one of the trendy things on there is like I'm scared of Gen Xers and whatever because they had to learn how to cook dinner, be home. Have homework done, iron, and all that stuff. By the time they were ten, it's damn near true. That was my life. I was a latchkey kid. Have my house clean. You have the dishes done. Get your homework done. You and your sister do the laundry, all that stuff. And that's what we had to learn. So we knew how to go and get it. When I tell you to go do something, you go do something. There was no back talk. And so now, when you have, when you're out here and you're doing your business, and your client's giving you back talk. And you giving them, okay, what you just did is you burned a bridge. And even if your client was wrong, it's two left shoes. You just burned that bridge. I'm fucking okay with burning a bridge. I don't care. <laughs> but that's different for me. Because I don't take it personally. And because when you make it personal, then I stop being the ghetto country grandmother and I become Phyllis and you're going to get all this heat. So trust and believe I am never nervous about telling a client, no, I'm not doing that. Oh, but I paid you my money, but it was never said that I was going to do that. Well, you should make the customer happy. You can get the fuck on. And it's, it's something that you get to decide how powerful you're going to be in your business. And you can, you, it's okay to relinquish some of your power if you choose to. But as you have to understand that you may never get it back. So if you're growing your brand and you're growing your business, like you have your your podcast right now and this is your platform, this is where you get to shine. And so part of what comes with that is like maybe at the beginning or at the end, all of this should be about you. And people need to see and understand what your level of expertise is and why you have your guests on and why you choose the guests that you choose, because it speaks to your authority of this is what I'm bringing you and why. And that begins to create a level of of maturity for you. Oh, he's maturing in this podcast game. He's bringing on guests that are bringing this heat. And so people begin to look at you differently. And so now that you have this podcast, what is your next logical step? You want people to listen to the podcast and then what do you want them to go do? And maybe you say, well, I want them to go do this. Yeah, no, that didn't work. Then I want them to go that. No, that didn't work either. So now you finally got a call to action that works. That's a level in your maturity. I've learned what works. I learned my lesson and all maturity is, is the lessons that you learn and everybody learns them differently at different paces. But if you're finding, if you're finding something that works for your business, then that's the next level for you. But it's only a good lesson if it's making you some money. (laughs) Yeah. Because we're talking business, not life.
1: (laughs) And on that point of money, uh, how has your relationship with money has evolved over time?
0: Oh, God, that was a hard one. Cause I was raised a church girl. Oh my goodness. Oh yes. I was at church. I was wondering, you know how they make the jokes about the people that was at church Monday, Wednesday, Friday and Sunday. And all? that was me and my mama, even in my mama, my mama used to say, cause oh, my mama was kind of a party party girl. But she said, if I can party all night on Saturday, I can go to church on Sunday. <laughs> okay. So we were always at church. I was in the choir. I was in the youth group. I was always at church. And there was a scripture that I heard that it's easier for the camel to get through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven. And that coupled with um the meek shall inherit the earth and all those other kinds of scriptures. I thought I would forever have a job. I really did. I thought I would be one of those people that retired and did the thing like you were supposed to. But when I stepped out, it was like, I was afraid money was going to change me. And I was, I was afraid of that change. And for the longest time, I think that was also a hindrance in my business. Um, it was okay when I was doing it for my husband, cause this is all about him. It's not all about me. I'm still going to be okay. And all these things. But then when I stepped out and had to start charging what I thought my work was worth, um, it's like, oh my God, if I charge too much and then, oh, I got to pray about it and all these different things. I still believe in God. I still go to church on occasion and all that kind of stuff. But my mindset around money, and now I'm talking about like well into my 40s because um, let's see, how I'm working with you when I was 42. uh, What? I'm 57 now. So this is like just been in the last seven years that having a mindset shift of, You know what? Money is a tool and money is freedom. And one of the things that people laugh and I tell them I'm working to turn my husband into a trophy husband. He wants to be a trophy husband and I don't have a problem with that. And it's it's. Learning to to accept that it's not money that changes me, it's my attitude about money that changes me. So then changing changing my mind around, you know what? It's okay to, to have a lot of money. Yes, I think some people use it in the wrong way. I think they use it to to lord over people. I think they use it to manipulate people, to do whatever. There are those people that do that. But then there are other people that are just fine. There are other people that are doing great things. If I don't make money, then I can't go back and help the babies that I want to help. And so I, there are certain mind shifts that I had to have. Building a multi I and I I, when we had the restaurant, yes, we made millions. And it was just because of the volume of of business that we had. We had two restaurants and catering and all that stuff. So millions of dollars do not scare me. When it's when it was based around I still got to do payroll, I still got to buy stuff because I know it was coming in and going out. So that did not scare me on that level. But when I talk about making millions as a solopreneur, I had to shift some shit. And it's because, and so I I see the people that want to do the one-to-many in order to make their millions. I don't want a one-to-many. And I don't ever want anyone to think that I limit my services to this amount of clients because I'm trying to create FOMO. I'm not. I like being more one-on-one. But I know that I can't make the money that I want to make if I'm one-on-one. But I also know I don't have the bandwidth to do one-to-many. And I'm not sending somebody off on a course that they're never going to finish. Sweetie, I want to look you in the eye when you tell me why you can't do this. Why are you not finishing this? Now, if you tell me to fuck off to my face, oh, yeah, I'm going to kick rocks. But if you're sitting here lost in some course that you cannot finish because you don't know what the next step is for you, that bothers me. So I'm not going to send you over here. We're going to sit down together, And because I'm giving, I'm, I'm exchanging my time for money. You know what? I also have to charge for who's, who I say no to. And a lot of people don't do that. You got to get charged. You got to charge for saying no to the next client. You got to charge for the business. You got to charge for the employee. You got to charge for the boss. All four of those are you. Well, three of those are you. And then one's the client. So to say that nobody will pay you for that or that, you know what, well, I'm only charging $20 an hour. Why you can go get a job for $20 an hour. What's your profit margin on that $20 an hour? How much are you paying the employee? So you're the employee and the boss and both of them need to be paid and you're also the company. So that third person needs to get paid 20, even if each of you guys got $20 an hour, that's at least $60 an hour. So it's, it's, you, you gotta give your, I guess some people just got to get their mind around it. Some people have always been around, um, some big thing, but when you come from food stamps and, and section eight and all these other things there, there's shifts in everything and how you process through all of this, no matter. I don't think it matters culturally country or whatever. There's just certain things that we got to get over. I know some. Um, someone was telling me that. Well, actually, a few people that I talked to in other countries. It's like we can't charge what you guys charge. And then one person told me. Oh, a guy from Texas told me my prices were too high. And when he told me the price, I got pissed off. Seriously. No. No. I know I'm going off on a tangent. I'm sorry. Go it's ahead. Very, <laughs> very interesting tangent. <laughs>
1: I think uh, I could be that guy who who might be saying that uh, I cannot charge what you guys charge. And I had this mindset. It took me a lot of time to get over it. Like, okay, but I'm providing the same value as service provider there is providing. So why should I not charge the same amount? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you get that price now, don't you?
1: Definitely. I'm getting the
0: price. (laughs) Yes. That's right, Aunt kid Like, pay me my money. <laughs>
1: All you need is one yes, a single yes, just to validate. Like, okay, you are charging enough.
0: Yes. Yeah. And then you know when you're not charging enough, when you get bombarded with clients. Definitely. So if you got a, a waiting list a mile long, then you need to raise your prices. So some of those folks will fall off. But then also you're raising your prices, and more people are actually paying you more money.
1: Interesting. So, yeah. So I'm not calling you old, but you have a lot of experience. So <laughs> I'm going to ask you this question. Uh, what does success look like to you?
0: Um, success for me looks at looks like me starting a nonprofit where I don't have to ask the government for money. Um, one of the reasons why I left the business, my original reason, and see, I'm getting teary because it, it still weighs on me. Um, I have a thing for kids and I got a thing for bad kids or what people term as bad kids, kids that actually don't have a chance. Um, I, when I left the restaurant, I wanted to, I wanted to coach kids on being teampreneurs. Sweetie, you don't have to, everybody's not meant for college, but that doesn't mean that everybody's not meant for success. And so I wanted to help children who had gift talents and abilities to use those to start making money. You can start your retirement fund, fuck a college fund. Let's start making you some money. Now, you don't have to be an athlete in order to get well paid right now. And I used to follow some of the teen um, teenpreneurs back then, the Corey's cookies and Moe's bows and all of those type of things. Um, And so I knew there were teens out there that can make money, but Parents didn't want to pay. So that's when I started shifting towards adults and got more into business coaching for adults. And then, like I say, moved into branding. But my heart success for me is once I make enough to fund my own nonprofit, I don't give a rat's ass if you give me some money or not, because I don't mind paying for my babies out of my pocket. But the ones that went on my heart the most, and I have no frame of reference for it, and I don't know why it is, but I want to coach kids on starting businesses before they age out of the foster care system. Because if, if most of them don't take advantage of the college opportunities that are there, because if I'm not mistaken, foster kids get a free ride at college. I might be wrong. So don't, don't quote me on that. But if they do not, if they don't have the bandwidth because they've been so beaten down by life, it's like, sweetie, let's find something that you can make money at. I don't give a fuck if it's just starting a t-shirt company. Let's make some T-shirts based on something that you think is pithy or artistic or whatever it is, and start doing something for you. And so I want to go back, and I I want to make it success for me will be having that nonprofit to be able to help these babies, providing tiny houses for you. you no, know, we're not putting you in on the street with a bag and some shit. We got a place for you to go, for you to start start somewhere. So that's what success looks like for me. It's not about the money. It's about those babies. That's what I want to get back to. So that that would be my level of success.
1: Very interesting. And uh, if you have to check now, do you feel like you're successful? Or if not, then what are the parameters you measure yourself at? Like these are the parameters <laughs> which I need to fulfill.
0: As long as I got my husband and my child, I feel like I'm successful they are everything to me. One of the things that Nell and I said when we started our business way back when, because um, we make decisions ahead of time. Um, if it comes down to the business or our marriage, what are we going to do? We're going to stay married. And so even if it comes down to us living in our car, we're going to stay married. And so I am always successful because I have a man that will roll that deep with me. And I will roll that deep for him. So money is n- not my success. It's financial success, true enough. But true success is the relationship and the support I get from him on a daily basis. And the, the my, um, my daughter, only because I feel like she's my blessing. I had two miscarriages before I had my daughter. And then she still decided to be nosy and come three months early. So she's a blessing to me. And so that's my success. Having her become a published author by the time she was 10. Having her become an investor by the time she was 11. Those are my successes. I, I'm okay with fading back into the shadows as I get older. I don't give a fuck. But there are so many people that deserve a life that is not being offered to them. And there are some times where, yes, my services are what they are and they cost what they cost. But there are times where I give away free and people are like, why aren't you charged for that? I'm like, why are you in my fucking business? Everybody can't afford everything. And sometimes I just want to give some shit away. Is that okay with you? And if it's not, I still don't give a fuck. Not your business. And so I do want to get to a level where I can give away more than what I get so that that like I say all of that is just success for me being able to talk to people like you that's a success for me I would never have met you if not for being a part of the pro group and all of that kind of stuff meeting um Sebastian and Vladimir and all these people from all these other countries that's success for me it has made the world more accessible to like if I go somewhere in another country, baby, where am I going? Call me so I don't get lost or something. Is 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 having, having, like I said, it may not be close, fam, but it's still family to me. All of you guys are. And a lot of people are like, why you call people fam? Because it just is for me. Cause I would treat you like family. You come to my house, you here, you coming to eat? You want me to fix you a plate? You need a place to sleep? What? It's always been like that for me. That's how my mama raised me. There's hospitality. There's being good to people. Hell, I will treat my enemy good if I had to. So it's it's maintaining that part of myself. And it's like it goes back to what you asked me about money because I know I can still maintain, because my mama would whoop my ass if I didn't. So I I the the money shift was it was my hang-up. It was my hang-up from my youth and all of that kind of stuff. And I don't want anybody ragging on religion and Christianity and all that stuff. I'm the one that took it to that extreme. I'm the one that meditated on those scriptures that scared me, not being forced fed them. So I don't want anybody hating on anybody's religion. What we believe is what we believe. And it doesn't matter where it comes from. So that's my thing.
1: Yeah. I'm going to ask for advice. Uh, How much do you think the relationships you build affect your business and your branding and everything? like What people you bring closer to yourself?
0: Um, I think my relationships and how I see people are, they're a blessing to me. And I'll put that in, let me tell you, cause you know, you heard me, have you ever heard me say, I don't do pretty shit. Yep. Okay. So, you know, I say, I don't do pretty shit. Um, when I redid, uh, when I did redid balance is bullshit. When I redid that, Daniel Cody, Katie Cody stepped up to the plate and he redid the cover for me. Cause I showed him what my other cover looked like and Sebastian stepped up first. And Sebastian gave me all of these different things, and we was like, no, no, no. And then he came back with another one, and it was so fucking amazing. Um, and it was like, oh no, I, cause I, cause I was gonna replace the balances bullshit cover with the one that he did, but it struck me so powerfully. I'm like, no, I want to save this for my main book, which is going to be brand like a solopreneur. And it because of the way that he did it, and the 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 chord is struck with me. I'm telling you, I went back and I just started writing. That's how powerful that cover was to me. And again, this is somebody that is blessing me with a cover. He didn't ask for anything. Um, Same with Daniel. And so this other, this marketing planner that I've been working on, it was one that I did back in 2020, but like I said, growth happens. So I was redoing it. And plus I wanted to get better at marketing and I was studying marketing and I'm studying marketing psychology and all of that kind of stuff. And so. I showed it to Vladimir, (laughs) the cover that I was working on. And he said, can I help you? (laughs) I said, I see. I keep telling y'all I don't do pretty shit. (laughs) And then I showed my husband. He said, hurry up and tell him yes. (laughs) So... It is all of those type of things and those type of people that come in that just make a difference for me. They truly do. Um, I, I think relationships are important, but I also understand that relationships happen for a reason, a season or a lifetime. Um, I tell people all the time, if soulmates are really a thing, my husband will be with me in heaven. If there's a heaven, if there's not, then there's not. But, um, wherever we go, we stuck like glue. Um, and then there are people, like I said, that have had a season in my life and they've had great impact in my life, good, bad, or ugly. There are situations where I did some dumb stuff. And like I said, it's all in my memoir. Um, I won't bring it here, but it's all in there, but I don't regret it because it makes me who I am right now. If I was dissatisfied with who I am, then yeah, I would probably have a problem and I would have regrets, but sweetie, I'm happy with who I am broke or not broke, famous or not famous, I'm cool. So it's a thing.
1: Yeah. And I'm I'm gonna finish off with this last question. Let's say tomorrow you don't exist anymore. So how would you like to be remembered?
0: If I didn't wake up tomorrow, how do I wanna be remembered? Mm, That is a really hard question. I just want to, I don't, and this might come back from my whole low self-esteem days, but it. I'd never think about being remembered. I just think about leaving me and see, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> I'm trying not to cry. That's the thing. A lot of people don't know. I'm a big ass cry baby, big ass cry baby. Um, but I just want to be remembered probably through the lives that I've touched. Um, I don't need a whole lot of fame surrounding me, but even though I ask people, what do you want to be famous for? I just want to know that the people that I left behind are better off and that they will make somebody else's life better. There was a movie years ago called pay it forward. And I think people need to continue to pay forward goodness and leave a legacy of, of something better but we don't always know what better is because what's better for me is not necessarily better for you, but whatever is better for that person. That's what I want to be remembered for. If it just made a smidge, if I just babysat for you one night so that you can have some peace of mind, sweetie, that's fine with me. That's what I want to be remembered for. She gave me five minutes of peace. Um, I don't need no whole big, whole lot of hoopla. Like I said, I've been a private person. I can die in private. Just come get me. (laughs) Um, and especially now my sister, my sister died six months after my daughter was born. My mom is gone. My dad is gone. I have a whole host of cousins and aunts and uncles and all that shit, but, being raised and raising myself the way that I did. It doesn't, I like, say, I don't think of how I'm going to be remembered. I just want people to have a good life. Seriously. But I'm done. Cause I'm, I'm finished. Leave me alone.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Oh goodness.
1: It's been an emotional conversation and thanks again yes. Phyllis, for this wonderful conversation. Please let us know no like where we can find you and how to connect with you.
0: Oh gosh, y'all can always come to Grandma's House. Um, grandma's house.com. Um, I'm starting a YouTube channel. I do have a podcast, Grandma's House, and I have an ABA, a ABA ABA episode, which is Ask grandma Anything, which Aunt Kid is gonna do with me. Um and what pretty much just do at GC Grandmother. You'll find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that good stuff. So there you go. Oh. awesome and come on I'm done with you, you got me? I don't even have any tissue I was not prepared for this moment
1: <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it It was very insightful and I hope anyone who's listening will find yeah. gems of conversation gems from I get there so thanks again for this conversation
0: you're so welcome sweetheart I so appreciate you